Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. We are in the middle of the fastest moving technology shift in our lifetime. And for the majority of us listening, we live through the birth of the internet. So that's definitely saying something. Here's the good news. It's good news. Truly, I have so much to fill you in on. Join me for my upcoming workshop, The Market Shift. It's so crucial to online businesses that I'm offering it completely for free. No strings attached, just pure actionable insights that will help you navigate the coming changes. But that's not all. If you attend live and stay until the end, you'll get exclusive access to my brand new mini course, The Two-Click Funnel absolutely free. Inside, I'm giving you the exact automation funnel I'm running that consistently converts organic traffic into loyal buyers in minutes. Join me and prepare your business for the future. Go to bossproject.com shift to register now. If you're hearing this, there's still time. Don't miss out bossproject.com shift. This has been the fastest, craziest year in life and business, I think for me in a while. Uh huh. For there for a while, it felt like I'm sure for everyone the longest month, and then I feel like things like really sped up for for me. Yeah, I think that's an experience a lot of people had. Like, and I don't know if it was that we were home the whole time, and so things didn't feel like they were changing, and then suddenly it was fall, and then suddenly it was winter, and then. Christmas is around the corner and how are we to this point in the year already? I don't know. There was just a lot of distractions, obviously, in the world going on. But I will say, I know so many people, and this is where I feel kind of like a little bit guilty. So many people have just seemed so stressed about how their business has gone this year. And it's been our best year ever. Yeah, it's definitely a weird, I don't feel guilty because you actually, so here's a little psycho thing for you. You don't feel guilt, you feel shame. And I have been working a lot in the last year, six, eight months or so about releasing guilt and recognizing shame instead because, and this is like literally not what we're talking about today, but I have lived with feelings of guilt my entire life for various reasons. And I think it was really easy this year for a lot of us who, no matter what your circumstance was, maybe you like were already working from home. And so when everyone was adjusting working from home, you already knew what it was like. Or maybe your business was flourishing when other people were struggling. Or maybe the season of being quarantined and maybe having your spouse home wasn't crazy. It was helpful. And you've like grown together or whatever it was, right? Whatever positive outcome, I've heard a lot of people feeling that guilt. And I've been reading a lot about the conversation of guilt versus shame. And in women, especially, we are conditioned to feel guilt over a lot of things. But I think it's Brene Brown who talks about this, where she says, if you are feeling feelings that you think are guilt, 
check in with yourself to see if they're in fact shame because you actually have to tackle them in a different way. And so if you're feeling what you would call guilt, and if you cannot, if you're like, okay, I'm feeling guilty about this thing. If you cannot go to the situation, the person, the community, the circumstance and apologize or forgive to fix it and have then therefore the guilt go away because you did something about it, it is actually shame. And so more often than not, our situations don't just like there's there's nothing we need to apologize. Absolutely not. There's no one to apologize to. So therefore, we're not feeling guilt over this. You guys aren't feeling guilt over that. It's actually shame. And so once you unpack where that shame stems from, then you can tackle it. So the bad news is it's a lot of a bigger beast than just apologizing for something that you have to because it's on you to fix and unpack and change with yourself. But the good thing is, is you, there's nothing to actually apologize for. So if you guys are feeling in a similar sense, because I think that there's a lot of people, a lot of people in our circle, friends of ours, I was actually just scrolling because we just wrapped up like Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday. And I've been seeing a lot of my product-based people who had sales over the weekend. It was their, you know, typically that weekend is like a big holiday sales weekend for a lot of product-based people. And I saw multiple business owner friends of mine who were saying they were blown away. Like y'all showed up for support. My small business saw amazing support over the holiday season. And it was something that we didn't know how it was going to go this year. We didn't know how people were going to spend money. We didn't know how people were going to buy, where they were going to show up, who they were going to support. And the every post I've read has been mixed with oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I'm overwhelmed. And I'm so incredibly blessed. And you guys showed up and this is great. And also, oh my gosh, my business is thriving in a pandemic. And how can I justify that? And so it's just a really interesting mental headspace, I think. No, for sure. And thank you for that therapy corner. I feel like (laughs) so many people needed it. And I, I think for me, a lot of it is mixed with the like societal, like there's so many people struggling that how dare you feel happy about how things are going. But then you mix in, and I I have been far less open about my personal life this year than I have in the past, but it has been crazy. Okay. It's been a lot of change, a lot to adjust to, a lot to process mentally. And well, I encourage everyone to, this will round up my therapy corner, but sure. I encourage everyone to, to, you don't have to find a negative from this year to justify your positives. I know. And that's, you don't. And yes. yeah, you, you don't have to be like, well, this went really well, but also these 10 things over here went really shitty. First of all, that's true for everyone, but you don't have to do that. So I, I, I'm giving not only you permission, but other, everyone listening to, you don't have to make the pro con list of 2020. You can just make the pros and that's okay. Yeah. Well, we want to talk about 2020 specifically and what happened in our business. And if you look at all the goals we set for 2020, how did things ultimately shape up? And I'll tell you, this has been, and I don't know if there was like some sort of guardian angel looking over us in January, but I think we did a couple of things really differently. Yeah. I want to talk about that first before we get into results. Yes. Really differently in Q1 before anything blew up that 
ultimately, I think, set us up for success long term. Yeah. So I want to give it a very brief, quick version of how we used to do this. And then Abby can kind of come in and say, well, record scratch, here's here's what we did differently. So you guys know we've talked about planning. We've talked about breaking down goals. We call them sexy chunks and then break them down into tasks. And you take those tasks and make them into projects inside of Trello or your project management system. Assign them due dates, like break out all the details, all the checklists, all the steps. And, and that process helped us for many years when it was just the two of us as our team grew to be able to keep, you know, in control of all the moving parts and pieces. It was really helpful. So in December, we would have a big, long, full day, sometimes multiple day planning session in person, Abby and I, we'd break down every single thing we wanted to do. We would look at the previous year, break down all the numbers, everything. And then we would have like, take all of that and literally plan out every single quarter. And then the projects that were going to make up that quarter. And then we would take at least Q1 and pop that into Trello and break down literally everything. And we're talking like, when's all of our launches? What are we launching? What product developments? What are the launch calendars of different, literally different things that we were going to have going? When are webinars? When are challenges? When is everything happening? And we would adjust that throughout the year as just life or business happened. But we would pretty much stick to that throughout the year. We would use that as our guiding light. And I think, at least for me, and at the end of middle to end of 2019, I had felt that we had we had been doing that for so long. In 2019, we had ended up throwing nearly everything that we did out of the window because we would do it and it wouldn't work. Or we would do this again and it wouldn't work. And we we're just so frustrated by the results of what we had so diligently planned that we're like, well, what's the point of planning all that if A, it's not going to work, B, it's not going to feel fun, and like C, we're changing it anyways. And so we wanted to really mix it up for 2020. Yeah. So I think in terms of what we did differently, we really started with the budget, which I think is an interesting way to make projections and forecast because in the past we just didn't have enough information. Okay. So we're, we're going into planning a new year and we're, we're in grow mode. We're trying to get our revenue up. We're trying to do big changes. And so because of that, you kind of have to, when you haven't done it before, make some educated guesses on where you think you need to spend your time in order to see profit. And instead, we decided to really like look at overall numbers. Okay, let's look at what our previous best year was. What did we like about that year? What about that year can we learn from? And then we took that number and started breaking each of our products down into, okay, if we're going to take this as a base and maybe grow from it, sure. But like, if we're going to use this as a model for what we want to do this year, how do our products fit into that? And then based on that, like how close are they to already doing that? So we, we created, what, what did we call it? Our three-star system. And we essentially took all of our products and based on how they had performed previously, decided what level of effort it was going to take on our part to just make that happen versus was it a more passive decision. So for instance, with Trello for Business, I guarantee you we probably ranked it a one-star 
Absolutely, we did. Effort. And so well, like, if it was bringing in, you know, to 8% of, I'm just going to make some, if it was bringing in 8% of our business, we're not all of a sudden going to be like, okay, well, next year we're going to make Trello bring in 50% of our business. Like no. we, we just weren't going to jump to that. No. And so I think instead of really trying to compare and I don't know, radically change how our businesses run. Instead, we were like, how can we improve upon what we already know, what what's already there, what's already working? Well, and, and we cut a bunch of stuff. Oh, yeah. And we simplified. It was like, how can we do less? How can we focus on less products? And then, I mean, I will admit, we did take a gamble because we had been on the let's do less, let's focus on less camp for a while, but we did ultimately decide to launch a brand new product in January of this year. Well, and I think part of the discussion, because, and we've talked about this a little bit here before, but I was adamantly against launching the shop any sooner than the second we launched it. And part of that... Part of it was for two reasons. One, it's a lot to launch something new, no matter how big or small. A freebie to a brand new membership shop, it's a lot. And you're committing yourself as a business owner strategically, promotionally, mentally to to show up for that thing. And I wasn't ready for the longest time. Um, The second piece was I didn't know how it was going to perform. I already felt overwhelmed by what we had. And and you have that decision as a business owner for a long time of, do we just focus on what we already have and just make it better? Or do we need to ditch some stuff to try something that will actually perform better? Ultimately, it wasn't like it was an ultimatum from me, but ultimately it was kind of like, okay, if we're, if we're going to do this, not only because we don't do anything half-assed, not only are we going to do it right and we're going to go balls to the wall and we're going we're gonna to go all in on it, But in order for me to do that, we need to cut like five things. Like we have to, whether that be a product, a part of our team or a focus on what we were doing in our team or launching, right? Those are the three kind of big areas for us that take up a lot of our time. And so one of those in December of 2019, we were in the middle of developing an entire YouTube channel launch strategy. We said, it's got to go. There were a couple of bundles and small courses and products where we're like, we're, I'm going to tell you right now, we're not bringing them back next year. We just can't. Probably not ever. We're not going to do them. They can be bundled into something that people already have. We can sell them as like one off over here, but I'm not doing a whole launch around them again. This you know, launching strategy over here, we're only doing it once next year. It's stuff like that and big decisions like that that enable you to have the headspace to focus on a new product. Well, and I will say, I think a lot of people thought we were literally so crazy when we decided to cut one of our products that was like a massive part of our business in 2019. So we did three summits in 2019 and one in 2018. So we had done four in like the last, what was it, 16 months. And we decided to completely cut that side of our business. And I'll tell you why. Because it's okay if things bring in revenue. Awesome. Like you want to make more money. But you have to constantly be evaluating effort versus results. And Emily and I would look at each other. And happiness. And and stress. And like time and all the things. And... With the summit specifically, 
it just didn't add up. Like the amount of time it took for our team, the internal, like everything that was required on the back end to operate it and make it happen. And the way cash flow worked, like the way that our expenses spiked ginormously in order to pay for hosting the summit and then how we made money from the summit, like they weren't like in the same time frame, And so they were just these weird peaks and valleys within our cash flow that wasn't helpful. Yeah. And we, we've said it many times before, but Emily and I really like stable, sexy, boring, boring, consistent consistent income. Like Uh we've done the peaks and valleys thing and it was thrilling, but it made me constantly anxious. I equate our the cash flow happiness that I'm at with our I like our cash flow to have a nice dad bod. Just really cushy, really stable, really comfortable. You feel safe, you feel secure, you don't feel judged, you don't feel like you have to be anything too flashy. You just got a nice dad bod cash flow. Feels really good. <laughs> well, and it worked it worked for us. So I do I love me a good dad bod. Go over some of the results and then I want to talk through Well, actually, let's talk through what our goals were for the year and kind of some of the things we did with individual products line. And then I will do a comparison between 2019 and 2020. So we shared at the end of 2019, we're we're over a year now into our goal of lower, not chasing sexy revenue numbers, not chasing flashy revenue numbers, instead chasing healthy, cushy dad pod level profits. And we set a goal at the end of 2019 to average a 30% profit for 2020. And I think we were a little bit conservative with that when we even made our plan. And we said we wanted to have a 28% profit by the end of 2020. We then broke down, okay, what level of kind of revenue would we like to make that's not sexy, that's not flashy, that's consistent, where we're we're not even focused on growing revenue, we're focused on growing profit, because those are two different ways of thinking. And I I didn't know that for the longest, but they are two very different ways of thinking. And so we picked that number. And then from there, we broke down, okay, of the products that we're keeping, which were just three, SA, Trello, and the shop, what percentage of that pie were they going to bring in to help us reach that goal? We do mm-hmm. technically also have sponsorships as a fourth part of that pie because it's not small potatoes. But with our products of what we could really control marketing-wise, how were they going to make up that pie? And and it was really interesting how that pie turned out. Yeah. I It was kind of hard because while it all turned out amazing – I think more than ever, we had to reassess on a regular basis about where we wanted to put our attention because while things were going amazing, we had to make decisions every quarter about where we spent our time and we decided every month. Yeah. We were trying to pay attention to what's working. And then instead of like, because it's really easy to get emotional about your products. It's so easy to get emotional about your products. This is your baby, blah, blah, blah. But you have to pay attention to what's working and lean into it. And it's okay because the byproduct of doing this is sometimes you let other things decline 
Well, and I was just going to say, I don't think we did that in 2019. So our headspace prior to that was, yes, every month we would look at it. Every quarter we would look at it and we would say, here's what we said we wanted to reach. We're this far off our goal. We're this far off our goal. And instead of leaning into the thing that had the most opportunity, we uh-huh. would not necessarily pick the, pick the, what is it called? The underdog, but it would be I think our headspace was, if we don't fix this, it's going to impact us more than we think. Instead of, if we don't grow, continue to grow this, here's what it could be. So I think our our headspace shifted instead of trying to fix something. It's not necessarily that it's broken, but that was underperforming. Instead of this year, we really looked at like, oh, this is actually getting really good traction. Let's focus on that instead. Yeah. And, you know, it is a delicate dance because sometimes the things that that are getting traction are fleeting. Right. You can't always know that the thing you're spending your time and effort on is going to work out. But you just have to make – if that's the goal, if that's what you're paying attention to – we sat down and like I mentioned, we did budget first and instead of, I mean, yes, goals for sure, but it was like, okay, if we are going to create, this is our new overall pie. So we still set like a total revenue goal. Like that was still the first thing we did mm-hmm. instead of starting to think about projects to grow our business, to get to our revenue goal. Instead, we took our pie And we're like, okay, based on this total revenue goal, what products make up what percentage of the total revenue that will get us to the end result? And I feel like that was, I couldn't have told you that that was going to work. But because we had several years of data at this point, I could look back and say, oh, well, Trello has consistently done this. Sponsorship has consistently done this. Well, so only me this. Only one was a was a guesstimate, kind of, and we'll we'll walk through it. But so we did develop a new product this year, right? So, but that product was a part of our pie. Well, how do you estimate what a new product is going to make up in a pie if it's brand new and it's never done anything before? Well, because we were doing our new product in a new way where that product was replacing an old product. Not that it was the same type of product at all, but it was replacing what that old product did for our business. And so we had to say, okay, well, if this new product is coming on onto the floor, it needs to perform exactly what that product did last year, aka what that product would have done this year if we kept it. If it outperforms that, that's fantastic and we'll we'll make adjustments accordingly. But at minimum, it's got to do what its predecessor did. And so if you're looking at your new product lineup or your new services and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm ditching this package. Well, what did that package make you last year? Your new package needs to make that, if not a little bit of growth, and then you can reassess. I'm interrupting myself to bring you something that could change your business forever. I'm hosting a workshop that's so important. I've made it 100% free for all online businesses. Here's what I can promise you. Inside the market shift, you're going to get the most value-packed 90 minutes you've seen in years. I'm going to share the ecosystem that represents online businesses today. You're going to walk away knowing how to create more predictable income and sustainably scale, regardless of where you're starting today. 
You'll uncover the AI secrets top entrepreneurs use to stay ahead, boost productivity, and secure their future. You'll have the exact equation that's making wealthy people wealthier and be able to steal copy-paste it before it widens the wealth gap any further. When you attend live and stay until the end, you'll get access to my exclusive brand new mini course, the two-click funnel, absolutely free. Inside, I'm giving you the exact automation funnel I've been running that consistently converts organic traffic into loyal buyers in minutes. Save your seat right now at bossproject.com slash shift, then share it with a friend. There isn't much time between now and the workshop, so head right now to bossproject.com slash shift to claim your spot. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. We've had to weed through hundreds of applications in the past. We could have saved so much time if we'd used Indeed. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We looked at total revenue first and we did project growth on the revenue side. We didn't like ignore that, but right. when we, went, we weren't like $7 million. No, it was not crazy. Okay. It was like a very modest, we took like an average over several years. Mm-hmm. If we just a little bit grew, what would that look like? And then we literally, guys, this is not rocket science. I literally looked at the average on QuickBooks for all our products and was like, okay, what is each of these things doing? What percentage of the pie are they making up? Okay, based on history, (laughs) based on the past, If they made up this percentage of this new revenue goal, what does that mean in dollars? And then from that, we then assigned the three-star system. Is this going to take any sort of effort or can we kind of passively get there? And then once we had established what needed our time and attention, then we went through and set those quarterly goals, broke them down into projects. But this was like the first step instead of just doing an overall revenue goal. Yep. Yep. Um, so let's talk about results. Oh, girl, girl. Okay. Let's talk about results. So I don't even really know where to start, but if we're just going to pick talk about, I'll say it. You want to talk about the fucking 40% growth over last year? Is that what you want to talk about? Oh my God. 40% growth over last year. And that was 15% above the year-end goal that we set for ourselves in January. Is that, you want to start there? (laughs) Or do you want to start with the fact that we said we'd like a 28% profit and in fact, we got a 32% profit? 
girlfriend. There's more. There is more. There is absolutely more. But I think probably for me, the most impressive part, and we have not, I know we have like glossed over how stressful 2019 was from a business perspective. I was losing my hair. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Literally. I texted my friend. I said, do you think I need to go to the doctor? My hair is falling out in clumps. Yeah. I mean, the stress level was high and a big part of that was how the business was performing. And I, I know we've like briefly touched on it, but it wasn't so much that we weren't creating revenue. We didn't have a problem creating revenue. It was a revolving door though. Our budget and cash flow was like a total money out, money in, money out, money in, money out, money in, money out. It was really stressful. And part of it was that we completely drained our cash after a really bad launch. And then we had to play this catch-up game. And Emily and I are in the camp. Well, two things. One, Emily and I refuse to ever be in a position where we don't pay ourselves. If we're making revenue, we're going to pay ourselves. That being said, we're also not idiots. Like we for sure took a pay cut in 2019 Mm -hmm. to try to stabilize. And even in the first part of 2020. And for Mm -hmm. those of you who are unfamiliar with how profit and loss statements work, your payroll is included prior to this calculation. So in 2019, we sustained our first loss ever. Yeah. And it wasn't massive, but like to have the whole average for the whole Mm -hmm. year to be a Mm -hmm. loss was very hard. Mm -hmm. And so to go from a loss. We would have had a loss if we hadn't paid ourselves. Correct. But, and I feel like this could be a whole episode in and of itself. We have paid ourselves before so many people we know have paid themselves. Right. We pay ourselves more than a lot of people we know. There's just a difference in... in And there's also two of us, which adds to the complication. There's two of us, yes. So we, are, we have like two CEO salaries. I don't work this hard to not get to enjoy the benefits of making a fucking paycheck. And there's different mentalities on that for sure. But you can't lie and say that you're, if you have a spouse or a partner, that they're not also making sacrifices for you to have this type of business. Right. And I think that it's very rewarding and it feels really good to get to contribute from your business and those sacrifices. So, right. So 100% could have avoided the loss if we chose to. We decided to take it because it was more important that we make some salary to pay our bills Mm -hmm. and to add to complications. My husband actually left his career in the middle of 2019. Like he chose the best year (laughs) two weeks after our loss. So like it all worked out, but to go from a loss to a 32% profit is like a massive recovery. Less than one year, but like in overall business world in one year, I'm truly so proud of what we turned around mm-hmm. and mentally where we are now and have been for the majority of this year. And I'm so fucking thankful that 
2019 business didn't happen this year in conjunction with pandemic. Uh, because well, I, I don't want to sugarcoat the fact that we did have a very rocky yes. March and April, like yes. so many yes. businesses. Yes. And I think there was a huge part of us that looked at each other and were like, is this about to happen again? Like, yeah. do we yeah. just work this hard to get yeah. back to a good spot to have it all come crashing back down? You won. But it didn't. There was a lot of pivoting. There was a lot of you know, doing our best to care for our students and being as like genuine and as flexible as possible while also realizing that like, it's not just us that gets paid. Like we have a whole team of people that rely on our company every single month. And for the majority of our team, we are either their biggest client or their only client. And that's like a huge weight and responsibility even if they're yeah. not full-time employees to know that like we are what put food on put food on the table i'm going to make business decisions trying to protect them well i i'm happy so we did make some hard decisions in 2019 i think we've talked about this before there were some team members and departments we had to let go marketing strategies we let go products that we let go but in 2020 the team that we had existing we were able to give someone a raise. We were able to bring someone in new. We were able to reshift some roles. Like all positive decisions were made within our team for this year. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. And to land, first of all, a 40% growth in a single year, unless you go back to the very beginning where we did have some years where we literally like doubled our business. But then after that, it was like 15% and then the loss. And then it was like to go to that level on a year that we specifically, we weren't trying to grow guys. We were like, I think the goal was to grow by about 15%. And mostly because the team we had, like we needed to make more to be able to sustain everybody on the team. And so it was, it wasn't like we were trying to do it for us to make more money. It was literally so we could afford everyone we currently have and like could continue the way we wanted to continue and really, really stabilize. And to have a 40% growth when stabilization was our goal is just crazy. And I do think a large part of this was, like we mentioned, leaning into what was working. And we set the shop up, like Emily mentioned, to quote unquote, replace the percent of our business that was previously Goal Crusher Club. And we set our revenue goal. And by the end of Q1, well, and here, here's what's funny. I want to lead with this. Of the three pieces of the pie, no, four pieces of the pie. So we had sponsorships, Strategy Academy, Trello in the shop, which was replacing Gold Crusher Club. We only, we only met one of those goals, met, but we still had 40% growth with 32% profit because the one, one of them that we didn't meet, (laughs) we didn't not just meet it, we 4 x it. Yeah. 
Like what? So there, were, there were two that just flat out weren't met. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Because when you 4X something, you pay attention matter. to that. Oh, yeah. Well, and specifically after the first quarter, I remember looking at Emily and I was after like. After the first month. Yeah, I was like, we are so far past where I thought we would be by this point that we're going to have to readjust. And so. And so we did. Right. We doubled that. Yep. So we we basically doubled it after Q1, our goal. And then we ended up doubling again by the end of the year. And, you know, you start to get a little cocky when something's growing that fast. I do think there was parts of me that was like, and let's triple it again. <laughs> okay. Slow your roll. Well, and that I feel like that's the lesson we needed to learn from 2019 is like you're going to see fast growth early on. It's easy to double something that's small. It's easy to triple something that's small. But then you're going to reach a threshold where you're like, okay, we're going to still hopefully grow, but doubling is not realistic. Right. So like... Would I love to see the shop skyrocket next year? A hundred percent. But if it doesn't, yo, I'm so comfortable right now. We could do this for the next five to ten years, and I don't think I'd complain once. No, no. Well, that's a big part of the mental game that takes experience, takes time, takes learning business lessons for you to get to. It's really hard to be in that headspace, especially when you're just starting. You want growth. You want rapid growth. You want it now. You want to be bigger, better, faster, stronger, all the stuff. And one of the things that I've worked really hard on, and I (laughs) vox Jessica Ely all the time about how to uncover being a three overachiever, all of the things. Uh Uh-huh. It's the, the, since the goal is always moving, the happiness is also always moving. And you reach the goal thinking, I'll be happy at the goal. But then you set a new goal because you're an overachiever. and I'll be happy at that goal. I'll be happy uh-huh. at the next goal. And it, it has taken me a long time. And I'm not 100% there. Like, don't get me wrong. But it is starting to my 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 butterfly is starting to cocoon of okay, I, I'm content here. I'm happy here. This does feel really good. There's a, for me, I've had to learn there's a difference between being happy with what you have and still being ambitious. You can have, you can be both of those things. Right. Well, and I, I think a lot of this comes down to like, what do you want and what are you willing to do to get there? And you know, five okay, years. There's a, there's a lot more I'm not willing to do than I That's am. True, for sure. But I remember sitting down five years ago and really talking to you about what I want and what I want my business to look like. And I, guys, like I'm well on my way. At this point, the only thing, the only thing left that I haven't figured out is how to fucking have kids. And that's because I have a medical issue around it. Not because I don't want them, not because I couldn't have them right now, but because there's a medical concern. And so like I, I one of my major goals was to bring my husband home. And some people would be like, how the hell did you bring him home two weeks after your biggest loss ever? Guys, it was because I ran, I run two businesses because I had saved, because I knew what risks were at stake, because I knew what I was capable of doing, all the things. And then 
you know, getting the house and do I think there's bigger and better things out there for me? Sure. But so much of what I envisioned, I wanted my life to look like it does. And so instead of constantly trying to chase everything, I want to learn to feel content. I want to learn to feel like grateful and not, and it's not a settling feeling. Cause like, I don't feel like I've settled and been like, Oh no, this is good enough. Like at where I'm at right now has shattered generational changes for my family, like shattered. And so what else can I ask for? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about two other quick stats that we pulled for the year, uh, just because I thought they were really interesting. So one of the goals that we had, we had it for Q1 was literally just to kind of increase the lifetime value of our students in general. And so one of the ways that we thought we could increase that um, was by having an upsell on our most popular program ever to upsell our most popular, (laughs) what used to be a free product ever charge a low price for that. We, we, we updated it. So it it was not the level of free product that it used to be. It is baller. And we charge a very low price for it, had an upsell. Um, so when you buy a Trello, you go to a thank you page that says, Hey, do you want to add on, uh, your business on autopilot for 11 bucks? Click here, add it on for, for education first, in case you guys aren't aware, a very typical, conversion rate in this industry. If you can get two to 3% on anything, you're like, okay, cool. Let me ramp that up. Right. That's great. Those are very different when you do like live launches or webinars or sales pages or evergreens or upsells or email funnels or whatever, but like across the board, 2% and your thing is considered to be working. Right. What's our, what's our conversion rate for this? It's 30% consistently not just like oh we did this for two weeks and this is what it is no like we we haven't really talked about this yet maybe a little bit but we initially set this up as a q1 goal and we didn't touch it because we were focused on the other things that needed the focus we were paying attention to what needed our time and we didn't ultimately get around to actually making this a thing until october but right. if you compare all of our stats right like it just like blew it out of the water so we saw a 30% overall conversion from trello to your business on autopilot and the part that's probably the most shocking to me is how simple the upsell page was. I second guess that thing so much. And And then I was like, Abby, stop. I'm writing one sentence. Get over it. And it worked. It worked so freaking well. And the other one I want to touch on, and this is going to be our last point because we've just gone on so many tangents, but I think a huge part of what leads our results is really paying attention to what is ultimately bringing in your revenue? You know, for you guys, it's likely clients or customers. And you should know what the average client or customer brings in. I know for Emily in the product world, you're looking at like average orders. Like what is the average new customer come in and spent? We had an average based on all of our student 
previous student data and based on that set up a goal to hit 5,000 new paid students by the end of the year. We didn't did not, did not hit that goal. We, and in fact, we only got 50% of our new student goal, but it didn't matter because we three X our lifetime value of our customer. What? I want to do a whole episode on on how we did that, like the, uh, the actual products and decisions, because it t- took up a lot. I feel like it deserves a whole episode as well as our upsell, just so you guys can maybe try the strategies in your own business. But what I hope that you hear from that, what I hope that you hear from, we set four revenue goals for each of our products. We only hit one of them. We hit a new paid students goal. We only hit 50% of that. But because of other factors, because yeah, we hit 50% of that goal, but we 3X their value. Yeah, we only hit one of our revenue goals, but we 4X one of those revenue goals. We surpassed it. So when you look at everything, it doesn't matter when you get down to the nitty gritty of you didn't reach that goal or this goal or that goal. You have to look at how everything is performing as a whole instead of every individual single project or product. And I think that is the biggest lesson from 2019 to now is 2019 us would be like, well, this didn't work and we didn't reach this goal and this week sucked and this launch sucked. Overall, here's where we are. If you're constantly looking at how what everything isn't doing for you, it's not a great place to be. No. So I encourage you guys to spend some time reflecting on what worked in 2020. Understand what you accomplished and sure what you can improve upon, where you want to put your focus. But we're going to spend a whole nother episode coming up super soon talking all about our planning for 2021. Stay tuned. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor, to get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.